Have you always thought the Old Testament feasts were only for Israel? If so, you may be in for a surprise today, right here on Messianic Perspectives. Shalom and welcome to Messianic Perspectives, a daily program where we look into the scriptures from a distinctive first-century Jewish point of view. Today, our Bible teacher is Dr. Gary Hedrick, president of CJF Ministries. Gary's topic for this current series of studies is the Spring Feasts of the Lord. He's explaining how the seven feasts in Leviticus 23 are not only significant in themselves, but also how they collectively form an exciting outline of God's prophetic plan leading up to the second coming. I'll be back at the close of the program with news about a special offer. And now, here's Gary. Thank you, and Shalom Chavarim. Welcome, friends, to another edition of Messianic Perspectives. It's good to have you with us today as we continue this study of the Spring Feasts. Now, we've come to Yom Habikarim, or the Day of First Fruits. Let's look at it here in Leviticus chapter 23. Here's what he says in verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Okay, now, this is the offering of the first fruits. And there are actually a couple of Hebrew words that are used for first fruits. Uh, the word that's used in this verse that we just read is reshit, which just means first. In modern Hebrew, it's rishon, first. So he says here in Leviticus 23.10, bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Sheaf of the first fruits is omer reshit. Bring it to the kohen. Kohen is priest. So the word for first fruits here is reshit. It just means the first of something or the beginning of something. Uh, remember the first book of the Hebrew Bible? We call it in Hebrew bereshit, beginnings. In English, you call it Genesis. The Hebrew title is Sefer Bereshit, or literally, Book of Beginnings, like the word Reshit, or first, here in Leviticus 23. So what he's saying, literally, is, bring the first of the harvest to the priest. And this was on the third day after Pesach, or after Passover. But that's not all. There's another word for first fruits, and that's Bikurim, which comes from the word Bekor, which means firstborn. Remember, the firstborn of man and beast was dedicated to God. This is one of the oldest laws in the Bible. It says in Genesis chapter 4 that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock to offer to the Lord. So this law of the firstborn goes way back to the dawn of history, when Adam and Eve were still alive, before Abraham, before Moses, and before the Torah, because the first of everything belongs to the Lord. By the way, have you ever wondered why when God judged Egypt, he took the life of the firstborn male child of each house? It was because of this universal law, because the firstborn of each home was supposed to have been consecrated to him anyway. The firstborn belongs to him, so those are the ones he took. Now you might say, but Gary, all life belongs to the Lord, and that's true, but nonetheless, the firstborn belonged to God in a very special 
special way. There was a special relationship between God and the firstborn. Whether it's man, beast, or crops, the first belongs to God. So first you have Passover, beginning on the 14th day of Nisan. Then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, beginning on the 15th day. And then on the 16th day of Nisan, you have Yom Habikarim, or the Day of First Fruits. So under the biblical system, you have these three special days right there in a row. Pesach, Hamatzot, and Habikarim on 14, 15, and 16 of Nisan. And this Day of First Fruits marked the beginning of the harvest cycle. Because in ancient Israel, this was when the barley harvest came in. The barley was the first crop to be ready for harvesting. So this marked the beginning of the harvest cycle. Barley was what the poor people ate because it was plentiful and it was cheap. So the early first fruits was on the third day after Pesach, and it marked the beginning of the barley harvest. Then they would count off 50 days from the day of first fruits, and the 50th day marked the beginning of the wheat harvest, and that was the latter first fruits. Another name for it was Shavuot. So the barley came in first, and then 50 days later, the wheat came in. It was ready to be harvested. So what you really had was two phases to first fruits. You had the early first fruits, which was on the third day after Passover, and then you had the latter first fruits, which was 50 days later on Chag Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. You see, this is what the counting of the Omer is all about. Have you heard about this? It's actually one of the kibbutz festivals in Israel. The kibbutz festivals are the celebrations that were started on the kibbutzim in Israel back in the 1920s and 1930s. And by the way, sometimes people say, well, Gary, how could there have been Jewish people in Israel back in the 1920s or the 1930s? I guess they think there were no Jewish people in Palestine before 1948. But the truth is that there have always been Jewish people in Israel, even when it was called Palestine. Even after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in A.D. 70, there were still pockets of Jewish settlements here and there. And the modern Aliyah of large numbers of Jewish people back to Israel actually started in the 1800s when Jewish Zionists started buying land in Palestine. They bought it, by the way, from wealthy Arab sheiks who thought the land was worthless. Most of these Arab landowners didn't even live in Palestine. Most of them lived in Morocco or Egypt or Saudi Arabia. These Arab landowners thought they were taking advantage of these poor Jewish Zionists by making them pay money for land they thought was worthless. Because it was either desolate, parched, desert wasteland, or in some cases it was mosquito-infested swampland. So these Jewish Zionists bought up hundreds and thousands of acres of land, and they turned the desert into fertile farmland, and they planted sycamore trees in the swamps to suck up all the water, And pretty soon, even the swamps became fertile farmland as well. Agriculture became a major industry, and it is still one of Israel's major industries even today. So, the kibbutzim are these agricultural settlements, or most of them at least are agricultural, where families live together and work the land. It's like a collective, a socialistic way of life. Now, not all of the kibbutzim are religious. Some are strictly secular. But many of them are religious, and this is where the kibbutz festival started back in the early 1900s. It was an effort on the part of these early Jewish settlers to restore the biblical character of the ancient 
different holidays. And the counting of the Omer is where they count off each of the 50 days from the second Seder of Passover until Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. Each evening during this 50-day period, they say this Hebrew blessing, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kidshenu B'mitzvotav Vitzivanu El Seferat HaOmer. It means, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and who gives us the mitzvah of counting the Omer. And then they actually count the days. They'll say like, Today is the 25th day, which is three weeks and four days of the Omer. And that's how they count off the days until the latter first fruits, or Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And isn't it wonderful that we are seeing this renewed interest in the biblical holidays among the children of Israel? In fact, you know what? There's so much of what we're seeing in the world today that is just a miracle. Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. You see, this wonderful miracle is happening all around us, and we don't even realize it. For example, just think about the fact that there is even even a country in existence today called Israel. Do you realize that for 1,900 years there was no such place? Do you realize that as recently as 100 years ago, if you had told someone you wanted to take a trip to Israel, they would have looked at you like you were nuts because there was no such place as Israel. There was a place called Palestine or Palestina, but no place called Israel. But now, look at how things have changed. For the first time in over 2,500 years, there is a sovereign state in the Middle East called Israel. Because even in New Testament times, Israel was ruled by Rome. She was not a sovereign state. To find the last sovereign state of Israel, you have to go back to the 5th century B.C., before the Babylonian captivity. So this is the first time in 2,500 years that there has been a sovereign state known as Israel. It's the first time in the history of the world that a people has been conquered, driven from their land, scattered to the four winds, only to return and reclaim their land 2,500 years later. Now, if you're one of those people who wants to see a real miracle just to prove that God is real and that God means what he says, then there is your miracle, my friend, the modern state of Israel, and you have lived to see it. Remember, we were talking about types and symbols in the Bible. The burning bush in the book of Exodus is a type of national Israel, burned but not consumed, indestructible. Why? Because God is not finished with his people Israel. He has a plan for them, just like he has a plan for the church, or what we call the Messianic community. And although his plans for Israel and the church are distinct, they do intersect in the last days, and events are unfolding in our generation that strongly indicate that we are living in that generation. Well, that's all of our time for today. We've got more, but we'll have to continue on the next program. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is your friend Gary Hedrick saying, God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, listening friend, for tuning in today. It's always good to have you with us, whether you're listening from home, at work, or in your car. This is Messianic Perspectives, and you've been listening to Dr. Gary Hedrick talking about the Spring Feasts of the Lord, the seven annual meetings outlined in Leviticus 23. 
We have all the programs in this series available in a set of three CDs packaged in an attractive binder for a suggested contribution of just $18. That's the three CDs entitled The Spring Feasts of the Lord by Dr. Gary Hedrick for a gift of only $18. Just visit our secure online store at MessianicSpecialties.com to place your order. If you would prefer to order by mail, just address your request to Messianic Perspectives, P.O. Box 345, San Antonio, Texas, 78292. To order by phone, use our toll-free order line from the U.S. The number is 1-800-926-5397. Have you enjoyed this edition of Messianic Perspectives? Why not continue to learn about the Jewish roots of your Christian faith by inviting a speaker from CJF Ministries? Call our toll-free number 1-800-926-5397 and we'll be happy to handle all of the details. And as always, when you're in touch with us, please mention the call letters of this station. If you're listening to our webcast or podcast, we need to know that too. I'm Liz Aiello. Join us next time, won't you, as Dr. Gary Hedrick continues our series of studies on the Spring Feasts of the Lord, right here on Messianic Perspectives. Perspectives is sponsored by CJF Ministries of San Antonio, Texas, and is made possible on this station by the free will contributions of our listeners in this area. Mm-hmm.